0: Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as our regular listeners know, the purpose of the podcast is to inspire global listeners to be more philanthropic, act more sustainably, and embrace social entrepreneurship. And before we kick things off, please do subscribe to the podcast. It makes a world of difference. And today, it's a really great pleasure to welcome onto the show Dave Lawrence. He's the uh, the chair of the Children's Movement of Florida. He's the former publisher of the Miami Herald. I would qualify him as someone who knows quite a bit about how to drive forward advocacy. So, Dave, welcome on board. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: It is good to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Not at all. Not at all. It's been a while since we last spoke. Tell me a little bit about the uh, the children's movement of Florida.
1: Well, it builds upon um, some successes earlier. I retired 20 years ago to work full-time on issues involving childhood, particularly Uh, the early years when brain growth is so vital and so fast moving. And uh, so the children's movement of Florida is really about how do you make children the number one priority for investment in a third biggest state in the country and an economy that would be the 17th in the world, if it were, a country.
0: And the state of affairs in Florida... How would you describe that for children?
1: Well, we're not at the promised land for children, but I don't know who else isn't the promised land. We've made a great deal of progress. We're a better educated people than we were heretofore, but frankly, I don't think we're significantly positioned for the century to come. Yeah, yeah.
0: And as far as the priorities of, of the children's movement of Florida, first of all, I imagine you operate exclusively in Florida.
1: Yes, but but I do a lot of speaking elsewhere in the country and, indeed, have done a fair amount of speaking elsewhere in the world. I spoke earlier this year in Cartagena, Colombia, and we'll speak this December in Haiti. So I've been in a lot of countries speaking about these issues because, frankly, they transcend any particular region. And this is a subject that people all over the world are talking about understanding that 85% of brain growth occurs by the age of three, understanding that about a third of all children in most places are behind when they enter formal school, understanding that if you got the early years right, you'd probably have all the other years right. Children would have momentum all their lives. Instead, some people never have momentum and, and that's a great tragedy. When you talk about the significant things, we, We passed in Florida. We're one of only four of the 50 states that have done this. Every four-year-old in Florida is entitled to a high-quality pre-kindergarten experience. So right now, there are, this year, 174,000 four-year-olds in that program. Separately, in my own community, which is moving up to 3 million people in Miami-Dade County, we asked people to raise their property taxes for for children, especially in the early uh, learning, early childhood years. And we passed it twice, as a matter of fact. This year alone, it's $150 million extra dollars for early intervention and prevention.
0: So you're dealing with an audience that gets it, that they appreciate that early years matter.
1: Uh, yes, but, but it, it, you need to get these things done if you'll pardon this, in a political way as well. I'm deeply conscious that we need to have relationships with the people in the legislature, the governor's office, etc. In fact, in 1988, uh, Janet Reno, who Mm -hmm. was the state attorney then and later to become the longest-serving attorney general in the history of the country, tried to pass this initiative in, in this community, arguing that we ought to help people in certain sections of the community. It failed two to one. I argued that the same principles that raised the five Lawrence children are the same principles that raised anyone's child, the right blend of health and education and nurturing and love. And we passed it overwhelmingly and ran a political campaign and I raised non-tax deductible money lots of it hundreds of thousands of dollars of it and today we have 150 million dollars to invest in helping children to be successful in school and in life
0: must have been a lot of work trying to shift things from the reality of 1988 to uh to getting things to look quite differently now
1: Well, I spent two years of my life basically full-time on trying to figure out how to get this thing done, what went wrong earlier, what could could go right, how do you raise the money for this. I even put a five-year sunset on it the first time and said, try it for five years. If you don't like it, we'll have another boat, and you can dump it if you'd like. The second time we passed it, we passed it with 85.4% of the vote. Now, does that mean that people love children more in in 2008 than they did in 1988? Not at all. I I think they understood where the money would be used, that it was a matter of trust. But it took a long campaign and raising a lot of money, but it was successful.
0: So getting the voice out there, I remember reading something along the lines of... um... You had a campaign engaging with the uh, the state's mayors, uh, hun- the hashtag 100 mayors for early childhood in Florida. I know the mayor of Miami signed it, and I saw a lot of interesting quotations from all of these mayors.
1: And lots of other folks. This has been in the past year. We need to be, we're a long, long, long way from what children need. And, uh, every child ought to have the basics, the, the basics to have the opportunity to succeed so the fact that a hundred mayors from throughout Florida support all of these efforts is yet another step, a significant one, but yet another of many steps that need to be taken to make this the priority uh, that it deserves to be. Sure.
0: How did you get onto this topic? I mean, you were the the publisher of Miami Herald.
1: Yeah, I had worked for seven newspapers. I had been managing at every newspaper by the time I was 27, and I ended up retiring at 56 to do uh, this sort of work. Uh, loved what I did. Uh, I was in the golden age of newspapering, even if I didn't realize it at that time. Mm. Uh, and loved what I did. I had dinner with Queen Elizabeth, the... Uh, interviewed Fidel Castro for five and a half hours in a in Havana, met and talked with every president before, after, or during his presidency from Nixon through Trump. So I lo- loved that life was in 56 countries, had the chance to make a difference every day. And then a particularly gifted in terms of decency leader, the governor of Florida Lawton Childs in 1996, asked me and 54 other citizens, To be on a governor's commission on education to look at education in the next millennium. And I was given the topic of to lead the task force on school readiness, though I have five children. I'd never even heard of this, didn't know what it meant except in the vaguest terms. Sure. So the work that I did uh, let me have the opportunity to learn an extraordinary amount, so much so that I decided uh, that I would retire and work full-time on these issues.
0: Amazing. And you were just 56 at the time. Yes, sir. And tell me, so here you are, publisher of a newspaper, uh, getting asked by the governor of Florida to come onto this uh, task force. And getting acquainted, as you say, for the first time, what's the neuroscience underpinning the arguments for investing in early childhood development and so forth? What was that journey? What, what was the journey like in terms of your thought process once you think, okay, I understand now what the literature says and this is what we need to do. To, this is the strategy we need to do to mobilize public opinion, to get a different reality in the um, voting booths.
1: Well, I think I am, without being arrogant, I think I am a lifelong learner. I enjoy learning. I read at least a book a week, uh, most of it history, eager to know what life means, how it all fits together, and, and so forth. And I had a vision when I started on this. This is about building a movement, and when I say a movement, what I mean is, Uh, that it's not a program and it's not about a certain set of folks. It's about all people. So whether it's the feminist movement or the civil rights movement or whatever it might be, it's about all people. The feminist movement, for instance, surely is about women, but it's really about a sense of equity for all Americans and so forth and so on. And so uh, we passed the Children's Trust, which is what that dedicated funding source is, by emphasizing that it was about everyone's child while realizing that certain children need more than other children and ought to get more. So I I did a good deal of traveling in this country and abroad. I went to France to look at Ecole Maternelle. Mm-hmm. I went to Sweden to look at home visiting and so forth and, and so on. And every place I now go, I went to India in the past couple of years and turkey in the last three years i always spend part of that time looking at early childhood early learning in those in those countries this is a worldwide issue and it's it's fun to learn see how things fit together and moreover if i'm to be a successful advocate for these sorts of things I need to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I need to tell people stories, often about individuals and a child who has been saved, as it were. And that's what I did in journalism, right? I was telling stories. Well, I'm still telling stories. I'm still gathering facts. I'm still figuring out what the headline is. And I'm sharing it with, in a different sort of way, I'm sharing it with lots of other people.
0: This is a very broad question, but there are a lot of people out there whether it's in early childhood development or women's economic empowerment or some other extremely worthy cause who are really trying to do what you've successfully done in Florida in terms of educating getting people up to speed and what what the topics are and hopefully mobilizing public opinion so that you get the legislative outcome that you wish a lot of people don't seem to have that voice i mean not everybody's been running a national newspaper or have
1: well Whatever whatever I have been able to achieve, I've worked hard at it. Hmm. But I now see pockets of this all over the country, and I see pockets of it all over the world. This is a global discussion. Country by country, people are talking about this. They're talking about it in Bangladesh. They're talking about it in Mexico. They're talking about it in China. The list goes on and on and on and on. Two weeks ago, I was in Fresno, California, which is a community of about a half million people. They're doing some spectacular things with public-private partnership on behalf of getting children off to a good start in school and in life. This is a very big country, 335 million people. The central power in this country, to some degree, is a local power. It's people deciding in uh, Miami Dade County, Florida, population 2.8, 2.9 million. Hey, this is what we want for our children. About the best you can do in this world is be a good example to others. I learn from all sorts of places. I learn when I'm in Fresno and then come out of Fresno. Uh, excited, and I tell other people, "Boy, look what they're doing in Fresno, uh, or in Greensboro, North Carolina, or in Charlotte, North Carolina, or in Saint Paul, Minnesota, or in Burlington, Vermont." The list goes on and on and on. It's a principally a local movement, ultimately trying to build up the sort of scale uh, that. It, it is about everyone. It won't be completed in my lifetime, but lots of people are on this path.
0: Sure. Let me ask you, in terms of national legislation and getting all of those 50 states, in the case of the U.S., to possibly be like-minded, possibly having your counterpart in Texas or California or Michigan, how does that work in terms of going beyond the na- the, the local?
1: Well, you know, for years... People have talked about this nationally. So Donald Trump's daughter Ivanka has talked about this kind of thing. Laura Bush was a proponent of, of this, and George W. Bush was a proponent of this, and Hillary and Bill Clinton were, and uh, you know you could go back a, a long way and find people who had a deep interest and talked about it. Uh, had summits, and the Obamas had a summit, uh, the Bushes had a summit on exactly these topics. And what I want from the national government really is not so much money as I want a bully pulpit. I want people who are excited about it, talking about it, encouraging about it, and maybe investing in it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: This is a big place. The way to mostly get things done is on Begins with a local level and then a state level and then of course a, a federal level. Think about kindergarten, which was invented in by a German named Froebel in in 1837, and comes to America first in 1856 in the state of Wisconsin. Well, for most of its de- most of its life, kindergarten was for two kinds of children: the well off and the poorly off. It became a movement only in the last several decades. I didn't go to kindergarten. There wasn't any kindergarten where I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it became a movement when it became about everyone's child. Uh, that's what we're trying to do here is make sure it's about everyone's about everyone's child. It's dangerous for people to grow up without hope. And we have too many people in this country, in the UK, and all over the world too many children who grow up with, without hope—that's dangerous for those children, but frankly, it's dangerous for all the rest of us. We need—we need children to grow up, pay their fair share of taxes, buy cars, have homes, stay out of prison, uh, feel good about themselves, raise families, and—and—and and, and build that sort of momentum. That's what we're trying to do. Mm.
0: And with all of these presidents that you've. Listed off in terms of being positive on early childhood development early childhood education I gather it's safe to say that the pendulum is moving in the right direction
1: Yes, and 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 I don't think it's a matter of Republican or Democrat and again what I want is for folks to use their bully pulpit to say this is really important Here's what I want people to get it Uh, the reality is just about everybody loves children but too many don't understand the practical imperatives of all of this. Here you have the United States of America, the richest and I think the most generous country in in the world, and yet this is a startling statistic. Three out of four young people ages 17 to 24 in this country cannot enter the American military, have a substance abuse problem, a criminal justice problem, an academic problem, or a physical challenge. Uh, that's not where we ought to be. This isn't like when I went to semi-military training at the University of Florida. You needed to know how to clean an M1 rifle. This is a very sophisticated world we, that, we, that we live in. We need, absolutely need, more people who can succeed and people who... Uh, have hope and and dreams and a real chance to achieve those dreams. The early years are crucial. Language development in the first eighteen months is simply crucial. Knowing how to go in the grocery store with your child in the shopping basket to, uh, um, and talking about shapes, sizes, colors, etc. Et I tell a story in my book about going to a YMCA in my own community, and there are 21 children in the, gathered around me. I'm reading Old MacDonald had, had a Farm in the Way of a Book, and on the front cover is Mr. MacDonald. He's got a red and white check shirt, and he's got on overalls or Levi's, and he has a straw hat, and two bunny ears are peering out of his straw hat. And I say to the children, well, what kind of animal is that? And no one knew. These are three and four year olds. Uh, I guarantee you my grandchildren would have known. But there are four and a half million children born in this country every year, and hundreds of thousands of them are way behind and then get further behind and then get further behind. And teaching becomes more triaging frequently than teaching. And that's a tragedy. Tragedy for the children and a tragedy for the country.
0: And that's not exclusively due to um, the education system. I imagine Healthcare care. And- no,
1: no, no. Health care. Um, people need not to be hungry. They need to have what they call a medical home. That is a real relationship with a medical caregiver. They need to be loved. Children without love grow up to be deeply incomplete human beings. They need to be not talked at, they need to be talked with. They shouldn't be using uh, television, no parent should be using television as a babysitter. It has no interactivity. Human beings need interactivity, they need to talk with other human beings. And this isn't just about um, matters cognitive. It's also about social-emotional development. Mm -hmm. We know that one out of three children entering kindergarten can't pay attention in class. Well, I don't care how smart you are. If you can't pay attention in class, you've got a real real problem. Um, Play is really important. Uh, I remember my own childhood and play. You learn a lot about getting along with other people figuring things out from play so you need the complete thing this is not about drilling three year olds in in numbers this is about helping to develop the full human being and nothing i underscore this nothing is more important than a nurturing caring knowledgeable loving parent nothing
0: yes the whole serve and return interaction is very important so, in terms of the um, the children's movement to Florida, what are some of the key things keeping you guys busy and energized right now? What's um, what's uh, what's next on the agenda? What What are your colleagues working on?
1: So, w- one of the things people are working on, and people are working on hard, is we passed, as I mentioned, a constitutional amendment for pre kindergarten, and some of the pre kindergarten sites and centers are. Simply spectacularly good, and some frankly are not so good and if you're paying public dollars, every one of them ought to be good. If you're taking other people's money to build this program, then it ought to be it ought to be excellent. So we know from the research, but you would know from your instincts only real quality brings positive outcomes. This is not about. Uh, simply having a spot or a slot for another human being. This is about learning something, being engaged, brain-stimulating activities, and so forth and so on. So that's a major issue. Another major issue is uh, how can we be more helpful with for children who have special needs? Uh, one out of every six children in this world is a child with a special need. It might be neurological, it might be otherwise, it might be somewhere on the autism spectrum, it might be cerebral palsy, it might be attention deficit disorders and so forth, but but that's a huge population. The earlier we can identify that, the better off we are in helping a child succeed. Every child deserves the chance to fulfill his or her potential so early identification of a challenge is hugely important so those are some of the kinds of things that we are working mm-hmm. one thing another thing that we're working on are, and that we have in a, more than half the population of the state now has access to it but the goal is to have every parent ha- having this available is 24-hour phone lines in three languages Mm -hmm. that a parent could call up at seven at night or two in the morning and say, boy, I'm having real trouble getting health insurance or breastfeeding or whatever. Uh, Where can I get some help? Well, the internet these days makes that possible in a way it was never before. A trained person on the phone with the right information in front of him or her easily clicked on, has enormous opportunity to help somebody, and of course it needs to be highly localized. The people in my community uh, would have different resources than people in other communities.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is the priority more about informing parents on the importance of interacting with their child, reading to their child, stimulating their child, or is the challenge more pronounced in terms of the legislative process and the uh, legislators and trying to get specific specific legislation through.
1: Yeah. The reality is we need to deal and and drive on many fronts. I told you nothing's more important than a caring knowledgeable nurturing parent, how do you get the right information to that parent? How early do you get that information to the parent? I'm not a cynic, I was a paid skeptic for 35 years. I do believe that parents love their children and if they knew what to do, they would work hard to do it. I frequently say at my age, and I've said it for many years, I'm only as happy as my unhappiest child. Most Mm -hmm. people who have children grown up know exactly what I'm talking about. Because children grow up and they have, like you and me, they have adult problems. Um, so, my work begins, as I see it, with helping parents to do the best by their own children. It also includes how to link the early years, the early learning centers, the child mm-hmm. care centers, etc. How do you link those with the the, the later years of formal school? Uh, we have, for instance, in Miami Dade County, about fourteen hundred accredited childcare sites. Some of them are really, really good and some not so good. Uh, we're putting millions into getting higher quality childcare and early learning in this community. So significant investment is needed, although the first thing I look at is not money. I look at you know what needs to be done mm-hmm. before we decide what additional resources we might need.
0: I know a lot of the big foundations are working on exactly that, you know, what works and why and possibly having a, a focal point or a repository of information where like-minded individuals can tap onto those insights
1: and uh,
0: and improve what needs to be done, right?
1: Big foundations are clearly devoted to them, But frankly, beyond those, and that's all important, I want to get people in my own community involved. Uh, And I want to get people who would not be regarded as the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. I would like to get lots of parts of the health community, education community, the faith community, the business community, the civic community, the political community, and the list could go on and on. I want them all to, to work on this issue. Uh, when we did a summit, and 20 years ago we had a summit. This month, as a matter of fact, we had 4,500 people in one room working on on this subject, and that's where we that was sort of the launch of 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 all of this. Uh, and a lot of progress has been made, but I promise you, we we got a lot lot more to be more to be done. But it's there to be done, and we have the research to know. What ought to be done? What is quality? We know we know these kinds of things. A, a, a major moment in Florida occurred several years ago when the uh, when the Florida Chamber of Commerce, uh, a slash the principal business organization in Florida, decided boy, uh, this subject of early childhood, early learning, this is a major business imperative. Mm -hmm. This is the future workforce, the talent pool for Florida. And so the Florida Chamber and a spectacular CEO have made a huge difference in reaching out. Frankly, I also hope that we find things that we're not doing and hadn't thought about and. This is a um, a constant matter of motion and momentum. Yeah. There's that much to do.
0: Tell me, what success looked like to you in 10 years' time?
1: That you would be able to see a far greater sense of equity in my own community and other people's community. We have a major issue of equity in this country. And that we would be able to see, say, in third grade reading scores, dramatic improvements of children on grade level and reading to learn, not by that time, not learning to read, reading by that time, uh, reading to learn. We know the statistics now and we know how far we've got to go. And and here's the reality, and it's a painful one. And Florida is not unusual in this. We have about 40% of third graders at the end of third graders who cannot read at minimally uh, professional levels. That's a scary, scary number, yeah. That is amazing.
0: That is amazing. Um, you alluded to your book. I'm interested in finding out a little bit more about it. What? Tell me a little bit about the book. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: So the book is the book is called. I spent about a year and a half on it. Uh, not a nickel of the proceeds goes to me. It goes to the Children's Movement. I feel better about myself doing it, mm-hmm. doing it that way. I've sold something over twenty thousand copies. It's called a dedicated life, journalism, comma justice, and a chance for every child. And so part of it is a, a traditional memoir, and part of it is frankly what's happening in early childhood, how did, that, how did that come to be, and what need more needs to be done.
0: Wonderful, well I'm gonna definitely take a look at that. And coming uh, close to the end of the show, if our listeners forgot everything that we've been talking about for the last half hour, but they remembered one key salient point, what is it that you'd like as a takeaway for the listeners to keep in mind after the podcast?
1: Well, I I think I would say this, that within each of us is an ability to make something happen. Uh, Horace Mann, who had a lot to do with the coming of American public education, and public education is still the real world for 90% of all children in the United States, told a graduating class at Antioch College in the spring of 1859, he said, be ashamed to die before you have won some battle for humanity and there's so much to be done all over the world. Uh, I happen to focus on early childhood, but there are lots of other ways for for people to focus. What did your life mean and it won't have much to do with accumulating resources of one sort or another. What difference did you make in in an individual life? What difference did you make in in larger ways? That, that's the joy of life. Combine that with, with lifelong learning and, and you have a life where you can feel pretty good about yourself without being smug.
0: I love that. I love that. Wonderful. Well, look, Dave, thank you very much for shedding light on your work and on your path up to this point and some of your wisdom for our listeners as well in terms of what really matters in life. I thoroughly enjoy speaking with you today and I, I very much
1: appreciate your time. I appreciate having the chance to do this. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. Take good care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at Liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic to think more about sustainability and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better.